0: As I said earlier, I didn't even dance at my own wedding, so (laughs) that's how good a dancer I am. (laughs) Okay. I don't have to tell you that the world has changed dramatically in the last 10 years or so. And I don't even have to tell you that it, it has changed very quickly in the last 10 years or so. Jesus said in John 16 verse 1, he says this, These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. I think it's very important that we don't sleepwalk into the future, that we ensure that we keep our hearts right, that whatever we're about to walk into, that we don't stumble, that we don't get offended. And when Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you, that you should not be made to stumble, what are these things he's talking about? If I can encourage you to read John 13 to 15. And Jesus talked about things like love one another. He spoke about that God is a father. You know, no God at the time was a father, yet Jesus comes along with this amazing statement that God is a father. Jesus talks about He's given us His peace. He talks about that we are the vine and, he, uh, sorry, He is the vine and we are the branches. And Jesus says, Unless you abide in me, you cannot bring forth fruit. What does abide mean? Well, That's a very difficult word to translate in English. But basically it means to be in living communion with Jesus. And as we are in living communion with Jesus, we get to share the life that we have in common with Jesus. This is new covenant living. That as we abide in him, the branch, we are the branches and we exhibit the life of the vine. Okay, so he's the vine, we the branch. And one thing I learned is that I was born a branch. I am a branch. All I'll ever be is just a v- branch. I cannot create life. All I can do is be a host for the life of Christ. And that way I, bear, I bring forth fruit. So as I abide in Christ... Uh, as, As I see that he is the way, the truth, and the life, as he said, as I do that, these are things that will make sure that I do not stumble. We must guard our heart and our mind. Now, one thing that will also help you not to stumble, not to be offended, and so on, and to keep victorious in the culture we are in, is worship. And um, it sounds like your pastor has been encouraging you to go deeper in the word, deeper in prayer. Um, And I guess with that is deeper in worship. But the thing is this, worship is not a work. It's, It's not a work, it's a flow. Worship flows as you abide in the vine, as you see... Everything that Christ has made you, worship automatically flows. You know, to what's that scripture that says, "To him who has been forgiven much, loves much." I remember the old King James, "Loveth much." (laughs) Okay, it's the same thing. As you abide in the vine, as you as you get to know the thing, the Christ in you, worship becomes a flow. It's not a work you've got to do. So all those things, those seven definitions of praise that we just went through in the praise and worship, that's not a box ticking exercise you have to do. Those are things that will eventually flow out of you as you have a revelation of the Christ in you, what he's done. As Paul says in Ephesians, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And then he, a few verses later, he says, I pray that you might know him. Interesting, see? He's told them, you have every spiritual blessing in Christ in this new covenant, but the prayer is, I pray that you might see it. May you know it. And that's what worship and prayer does, and worship and going in the Word does. It helps you to see what you've already got in Christ. See, my job here this morning is not to create something new in you, My job is to witness to the Christ that's already in you. I hope as we've uh, had praise and worship this morning and as I preach, that there's a holy aha inside you. That's my job, that there would be a witness to the Christ that's already in you. That's why the Christian life is exciting. It's an adventure of discovery. You know, we are discovering who we are in Christ. We are discovering who Jesus is. We are not living towards adequacy. We are living from adequacy. And we are discovering that as we pray, as we fast. It sounds like you've had a church fast. As you you go into the Word, as we pray, as we worship, we discover the adequacy of Christ in us. And we have the strength to face. What's that? What's that song? Uh, when I see you, I find strength to face the day. Yes. Now, in the Old Testament, there, was some, um, there were times where God had called the nation to worship. And the result was national transformation. And just quickly, I'll go through a few. Um, we see it um, when Moses was in Mount Sinai getting the law, the Ten Commandments, and the people were in the valley and they started to worship a golden calf. They thought God and Moses had forgotten them. And, um, and it says, Moses came down from the mountain. This is Exodus 32, verse 25. Moses saw the people were unrestrained for Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies. Verse 26, Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Who's on the Lord's side? Come to me. What was the result of all that? National transformation. They could go into the wilderness and face their enemies because their worship had changed. Their f- worship is any activity that expresses exclusive commitment to God. Worship is any activity that expresses exclusive commitment to God. That's why we're a living sacrifice. You know, the singing is part of worship. Okay? Sounds like a marriage, doesn't it? Exclusive commitment to to God. Do you know why? Because it is. He's your heavenly husband. We are the heavenly wife. Do you know all the scriptures in in the New Testament about marriage, isn't about marriage? Marriage is the secondary revelation. All the the scriptures in the New Testament about marriage is about our relationship with God, our heavenly husband. Interesting, isn't it? So we had the the golden calf. I'm getting sidetracked here. Somebody stop me when I go down these rabbit warrens. Okay, another one is Elijah. Now, um, do you remember there was the prophets of Baal? And Elijah said, get, a, get a, 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 a sacrifice, put it on the altar, soak it in water, put more water on it. And then he says this, and I love the old King James. He says, um, how long halt ye between two opinions? I wish we could talk like that these days. <laughs> how long are you going to falter between two opinions? If you're going to worship God, worship Him. If you're going to worship Baal, go and worship Him. And then, of course, the fire from heaven came and licked up all the water even. And it says this, in 1 Kings 18, it says this, When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. See, in a call to worship, national transformation. Another one, Ezra. Ezra chapter 3. It says in Ezra 3, it says, the people wept with a loud voice when the foundations of the temple were before their eyes. Um, another part says, all the people shouted with a great shout. Why is that? Because they saw the temple being rebuilt. There was a, a national shift in the heart. God hasn't left us. He hasn't left us. In, in, in Nehemiah, 12 years later... It says, um, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of the people. And later on it says, all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Why did they weep? Because they were bored. Do you know why they wept? Because this was their thinking. We've dropped the ball here. That's a rugby term for all those who saw Scotland win yesterday. We've dropped the ball here. We've forgotten God. And as the law was being read, they wept. There was a weeping on the inside. Another one is the dedication of Solomon's temple. No man could minister because of the presence of the Lord. Um, In Acts chapter 2, devout men, it says, were gathered in one place. The Holy Spirit falls. Everything's changed forever. And of course, you could talk about Jehoshaphat who faced his enemies and went to worship a nation was changed. Now, I believe that God has been restoring an altar of worship in the body of Christ. Now, I got saved in 1970. I was a wee lad. And I remember at the time there was a, for want of a better word, there was a move of the Holy Spirit at the time. It was the time when they talk, you know, they talk about the hippies that came into the kingdom and so on. And I can remember meetings when I was a young boy The presence of God was tangible. People being healed, filled with the Spirit. Us 12-year-olds were laying hands on one another and there was healings, it was amazing. There was the the midweek house groups, we'd sing Bible verses. We couldn't do it now, of course, but everyone had one translation, the old King James, and we just sang Scripture. And I can go back to then and say, that was like a restoring of something in the body of Christ that I believe is continuing and needs to continue if we are not going to be offended and not sleepwalk into whatever's coming around the corner in our life and in our country. God wants to restore an altar of worship. That's why I did those seven definitions of praise this morning, to help you. I hope this morning gave you a a greater depth of understanding of praise and worship. I hope it gave you a, a language to help you because I believe God wants to or, and has been restoring an altar of worship. Um, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 to 10, it says, you are a chosen generation. Who's he talking to here? He's talking to the saints that are scattered. He's, so we could say the church, okay? You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light who were once uh, sorry who were who once were not a people but now are the people of God now when it says to proclaim the praises Peter's being a little bit cheeky here because he's writing to spiritual Judah Judah, what anybody here know what Judah means? Praise Praise. Judah means praise. Do you know our name is praise? Spiritual Israel is praise. And he says, You have been chosen that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Wow, when Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit and was tempted of the devil. What a picture that is. Because it's always about who will be worshipped. That's the battle, friends. Who gets the glory here? God or the world, the flesh and the devil? That's where the battle is. Who gets the glory? And that's why part of abiding in Christ is I lay down my righteousness. I lay down my strength. I lay down my pride. I lay down my glory and I focus on Him and I pick up His glory. And as I do, His glory flows through a church, a worshipping church, a praying church, a fasting church. It's always about who is going to be worshipped, who gets the glory. That's the battleground. So I just want to briefly talk about worship in the book of Revelation. Now... Uh, Can we have that scripture up? Um, Just briefly, um, in the book of Revelation, there are 27 hymns. I've been reading, I can't get out of Revelation the last few months. And I'm amazed at how much worship is in the book of Revelation. Now, as I say a few things here, I just want to make sure I get one thing straight. I am not taking away your second coming. I'm not taking away the millennium. I'm not taking away the tribulation, all those things, okay? I'm looking at another aspect in Revelation. Now, the book of Revelation itself, the Greek word is the apocalypse. Now, in English, we tend to think apocalypse is a great destruction, okay? But in the Koine Greek, Koine simply means common, okay? The Bible was written in a common language, for common people. You know, I'm a commoner. I'm glad the Bible was written in my language, so to speak. It's written at my le- our level. It, it, it witnesses to the Christ in me and Christ in you. The apocalypse simply means the unveiling of Jesus. That's what the book of Revelation is about. It's revealing Jesus, his person. That's why we sing, holy, 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 who was and is and is to come. Okay, And it's about it's an, it's a, an unveiling of his thoughts and his plan and his purposes. And, and the book of Revelation was written 2,000 years ago to a church that was being persecuted. And here's a few messages of the book of Revelation. Now, by the way, I'm not taking away what I just said. I want to get that straight, okay? I'm not taking away your second coming and your millennium and all that. These are extra, these are, this is something to add to that for you. Okay, the book of Revelation is encouraging a persecuted church that Jesus is Lord, not Caesar, not Nero. Jesus is first and last, not Rome. And when I say Rome, I mean Rome 2,000 years ago. Okay, Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. Now, that was dangerous 2,000 years ago because. To say Jesus is Lord, you could end up in jail, lose your possessions, and even lose your life back then. Okay? Another message is Jesus is sovereign in all your troubles. Jesus will have his way in the end. Okay? So for me, this is relevant to us today, isn't it? Jesus has the keys of hell and death, not Caesar, not Nero, Jesus. the, The book of Revelation reminds us we do not belong to this world and must not be seduced to what it values. Isn't that more relevant now than ever? Okay? Do not compromise with the spirit of the age. God is the great judge. Rome, that's Caesar, Domitian, Nero, these guys, they won't get away with anything. Jesus will have his way in the end. He's the great judge. No one will get away with it. Stalin, Hitler, Pol Pot, Genghis Khan, Chairman Mao, they won't get away with it. Jesus is the just judge. He is Lord. He is the one. Every knee will bow and tongue confess, Jesus, you were right all along. Aren't you glad you're on his side? Yes. That gives me something to shout about. Kneel. (laughs) Sacrifice. Lift my hands. Get excited. And, well, not dance. Not me anyway. But you can dance. Okay. In Revelation 4, verse 1, it says this. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven... And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, come up here, and I will show you the things which must take place. Immediately I was in the Spirit. This is John. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Now, for its time, that was really radical, because the thinking was, there had to be layers you had to go through to get to God. And not just in, in, um, in Judaism, say, but in any religions, in any isms, in any philosophies. There's all these steps you had to go through. John is saying, immediately, I'm in God's presence. Now, so, th- so no priest, no temple, No sacrifice in God's presence right there by simply focusing on Him. Welcome to the new covenant. And here's the thing. What that means is that in your worship, time and space collapse and you worship in the realm of the Spirit. And if you can take this, I believe because of that, and the worship was for him who was and is, and is to come, I believe that in the spirit realm, where time and space means nothing to God, that as you worship, you are worshipping with all the saints through all of the time past, all the saints that aren't even born yet, all the saints around the world right now, we worship together in the spirit realm, and we go, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. See, no time and space. Amazing. What we just did earlier, half an hour ago, time and space collapsed, and we were worshipping in the realm of the Spirit. How could we not be transformed and changed by worship and prayer and those things? Isn't that amazing? In a way especially for those 2,000 years ago where the, the, the book of Revelation was written to, the present bursts forth, In sorry, the future bursts forth into the present. The future breaks through into the now. Friends, if you're going through some hard times, if you are struggling with offense of the culture, if you're struggling with, with you know depression, all those things... When you go to worship, you are pulling your future into your present now. And there's a heart change. There's a revelation. Why? Because something's been revealed to you regarding who you already are in Christ. That's what Paul was saying in Ephesians 1. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And then he says, I pray that you might know him. See, there's a... we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing now. But we are still going through a process of expanding what is within us. It's growing within us. There's an expansion of who we already are in Christ being worked out every day as we fast and pray and read and worship. That's why your pastor is encouraging you to do those things. So what the life that is in you can grow. And expand. See, we're not creating something you haven't got. We're simply growing into what you've already got. Isn't this powerful? This is new covenant. The fact that God is creator and to be worshipped as king shows us that the king will bring the creation to its intended goal. The fact that he we worship God as creator, you know, like this Him, How Great Thou Art, how does that start again? Um, oh Lord, when I an awesome wonder, consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars rolling thunder and so on. When we sing that, we're not just saying, you are powerful and created this. We are also saying, because you created this, you are going to bring creation to its full intention. You're going to... Fix everything. You're going to make it right. So worship doesn't just bring you into God's presence. It causes you to live in dependence on the one who governs the world. See how powerful worship is? And prayer? Worship is not just an escape, but a way through tribulation. Okay? Now, I want to get one thing straight. I'm not talking about the tribulation there, although it will be, okay? I'm not taking away the tribulation. I'm talking about tribulation in general, that the church has been in for 2,000 years. Worship is not an escape out of it. Worship will help you through. That's why Jesus said, careful, don't stumble. Don't get offended. Don't hold offenses. You know, every now and then I say to God, if there's an offense in here just rip it out I don't want to I don't want to get offended lord just just rip it out In uh, Revelation chapter 4 verses 6 to 8 I won't read it all just read the first few Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal and in the middle of the throne and around the throne there were four living creatures in a nutshell that's us okay that's the church Full of eyes in the front and back. Full of eyes in the front and back. Now, what's that about? Eyes mean seeing. Okay? So as you worship around the throne, because that's the setting of Revelation 4 and 5, that's a worship scene. As you worship around the throne, you have eyes front and back. What does that mean? Knowledge understanding, intuition, perception, intelligence. You see the purposes of God. You see who you are in Christ. You see a greater picture of who God is and his plan and purposes. That's the eyes front and back. And as you worship, as you pray and fast and so on, you might not realize it, but you are sharpening your eyesight to see the God who's redeemed you, to see his purposes. And that's going to get you through. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, it says this, faith works by love. Now, what that means is this, faith works for itself by love. Has anybody ever tried to conjure up faith like I tried? Anybody tried it? You tried to increase your faith? And you're going to get through this, you're going to do this. And what happened? I found in the kingdom, the harder I work for something, the harder it is. And when I don't work for something, the easier it is. You see, as I focus on God's love for me in my prayer in my Bible reading, in my worship, as those things are flowing in my life, faith rises. Why? Because I'm basking in His love. And as I see His love, faith works for itself. In Ephesians 3.17, it says, having been grounded, uh, sorry, I'll rephrase that, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, That you being rooted and grounded in love. In other words, you are already grounded in God's love. Now remain grounded. Keep what you've got. That's what Paul is saying to the Ephesians. Worship will help you. Prayer keeps that. And remember, it's not a work. It's a flow from a heart that God has touched. Faith will increase. Um. During the week, my daughter, who's a school teacher, had a really tough week. And I sent her a text one morning. I was praying for her, and I texted her Colossians 1.13. Having already been transferred, con- uh, here we go. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us. Into the kingdom of the Son of His love. I said to my daughter, You've been transported, conveyed from the kingdom of darkness to the Son of His love, the kingdom where the Father loves the Son. And the spillover of that love the Father has for the Son, that spills over, and the Father loves you. The Son loves you. I said, I know you're doing it tough, but the kingdom of darkness does not dictate to you and she texted me back and said how it really helped her and she texted back to me psalm 94 19 in the multitude of my anxious thoughts within me your comforts cheer and delight my soul (laughs) you see all i did was i put my daughter back into the love of god and as i did Faith rose, she could face the day again. She's great now, by the way. She was just a tough week for her. Okay, but all I did was give her the word, give her God's love. I said, you're in the kingdom of the love of the Father, that the Father loves the Son, which spills over into the love that the Father and the Son has for his people. That's who you are. That's where you've been transported, translated into. Isn't that great? I'll close with this. Some of you might know C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, before he was a Christian, he was a professor of philosophy or something at Oxford, I think. And he said, I can't understand these Christians who want to worship God. Why is God so insecure that he needs people to prop him up? Then he got saved, and then he said, "Now I get it. As I worship God, a secure God is propping up an insecure me. That's worship. That's the power of the power of worship. It's not just that we worship Him and we say holy, holy, and give Him His rightful place. Something's happening in here as well. Power, faith rises." Faith is rising. It's like what the scripture says. The rain falls, the snow falls onto the earth, brings forth bud, and then that goes back up into heaven as a mist. The clouds form, comes back down to the earth. There's this cycle of of moisture, and that's what it is with praise and worship. He blesses us with every spiritual blessing. He gives us His Holy Ghost. He gives us everything we need for life. And godliness, that distills in my heart and it flows out as praise and worship. And there's this beautiful cycle. That's the kingdom of God. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks. Do you want me to... I might just close in prayer and hand it back to you. Okay, let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for the heart of this congregation. Lord, that just loves you and is for you and is hungry for your presence, hungry for your word. I pray that you would take what we've said this morning, take what your spirit has said and done, and Lord, let it take deep root in our heart. Lord, let it root and and spring forth and bring forth bud and fruit, Lord God, that your people might enter the things that you have for them. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for everything you've given us. Lord, I pray that each one here, there would be a continued revelation of the every spiritual blessing that they have. There would be a continued revelation and expansion of the life of Christ that is within. Bless each one. We pray for the pastors. Thank you for them pray you'd bless them. May they be rested and relaxed and encouraged and uplifted, Lord. And may you take this church onto the place that is your will. Lord, let your will be done in Jesus' name.